Life Center. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for this uh, wonderful privilege to share God's Word with you this morning. Now, preachers like to begin their message often with a question, so I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you right now are at home watching and participating in this service in your PJs? Just throw your hands up in the air on the screen if you are watching at home in your PJs. Now, I know we would all prefer to be together as one body worshiping, but if there's one advantage that this time of gathering in our homes of self-isolation, it is going to church in your PJs. Come on, can I get an amen from anyone today? When we get back to normal, I think we might need a PJ Sunday here or there down the road. Or at least some Life Center merch. Maybe some Life Center pajamas, Life Center slippers. I'll just throw that out there. But today we're going to conclude our series on loving. Can you believe that when we began this month, that we'd be here at this point, and how the value of loving would take on such a whole new different meaning for us today? I believe wholeheartedly that the Holy Spirit has led us specifically to this value for such a time as this. So one last time, let me remind you what it is we mean when we say we value meaning, or loving. Jesus' love never fails. Our love for others, therefore, isn't negotiable. Without love, we're just making noise. When we fall short, we are trusting in the never-failing love of Jesus to make up the gap. The American novelist James Lane Allen once said that adversity doesn't build character. Rather, it reveals it. And right now, in this moment, we are experiencing a moment of, of, of adversity that our world has not seen for many generations. We are witnessing both locally and globally a revealing of character. And there have been some incredible examples that have come from this time. I just want to take a moment to thank and salute all of you who are working on our front lines, our healthcare workers who are working tirelessly and fearlessly. Through many phone calls and conversations, I have heard of people who don't know what the future looks like on the other side of this, but you are putting your trust and your faith in God, and that is your testimony. There have been some wonderful examples. And as we know, if any of you have been watching the news, there are not such great examples, but we'll leave that for the evening news. We as a church, we have not been exempt from our own moments of revealing. That as we sit at home, unable to meet together, our ministry put on pause, our gatherings, our sense of normalcy suspended, there are things that we are learning, things that have been revealing of who we are as a church. What has been revealed are the things that matter most in the kingdom of God. We have learned that worship still matters, whether you are dressed in your Sunday best or in your PJs. We have learned that community still matters, whether you meet together in a room or online on Zoom. We have learned that faith still matters, trust still matters, love still matters. And we have also learned what has also been revealed are the things that maybe aren't necessarily bad, but in the kingdom of God don't matter as much as those things I just mentioned. You know, I'm going to tell a story, and for those of you who are part of our Canada campus, it's not the first time you've heard this story, but on my very first Sunday visiting Life Center, I had an experience that I'll never forget. I was no more than five minutes through my message when suddenly, unexpectedly, the power went out. This had never happened before ever in my ministry. And so I was standing there facing this, this, this group of people who I couldn't see a single face. It was pitch black in the room. 
And me, a stranger, not knowing anybody's name and people barely knowing my name, looking at each other, or, or at least we, were, we thought we were looking at each other, you couldn't see. And I was standing up there just begging, praying for somebody to come up on stage and relieve me of my duties and say, let's go for lunch. But nobody came. And I stood up there for what felt like an eternity, but really it was just more than 30, 60 seconds Finally, to sort of break the silence, to break the tension, I said to this room of darkness, I said, what do you want me to do? To which someone in the back called out, keep preaching. You know what I learned, what was revealed in a moment like that, is that you don't need lights. You don't need a microphone to preach the word of God. That this this building we call the church is nothing more than four walls and a roof which houses the people of God, which are the church. That these things like microphones and lights and buildings, they are good because they are functional and they help, us, they help us pursue the mission that we feel God has placed on us. But they are just that tools that in the kingdom of God, these things are considered non-essential services in God's kingdom. It's true that in moments like these, and even more, that these moments like the one I just spoke to and the one we are experiencing now are moments of revealing. But here's the thing. When you serve a God who is Lord over all, and that God is your Father and your provider, these moments aren't just moments of revealing, but they are also moments of refining. That when you serve a good God, adversity is not meant to wreck you, but it is meant to refine you. And we see this in the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9 tells of God's testing, of a spiritual testing that is related to silver and gold being placed in the fire. Zechariah 13 9 says, And I will put this third into the fire, and I will refine them as one refined silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. Now please understand, in no way am I relating to what we are experiencing now to something that is God's doing or God's testing. Nobody should ever make that claim because only God knows and God's ways are higher than our ways. But if God is Lord over all and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, could it be that God might desire to use this current moment in your life to refine you in a way that you have never experienced before? Could it be that God, like the song we declared earlier, can take what the enemy has meant for evil, has meant to harm us, to separate us, to put fear on us, and the Lord can take it and turn it into something good? For those of us whose life is hidden in Christ, adversity won't just be your revealing. It will also be your moment of refining. But what you might ask, is the Lord wanting to reveal and refine in us today? Well, I'm glad you asked. For what the Lord wants to reveal and refine in us today is the same thing he wants to reveal and refine in us in every moment of our lives, and that is our love. And we see Paul at the conclusion of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For the past month, we have been in this chapter known as the famous love chapter. Some have said this is, this is the best work that Paul ever did, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We see his concluding thoughts in verse 13 say, Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Isn't it amazing that when this month began, 1 Corinthians 13, for some of us, was the passage in Scripture most associated with being read at weddings, and now here we are looking to it as a field manual for how to survive a global pandemic? 
Could it be that the Holy Spirit is reminding us that of all the gifts God has so graciously given us, that those which remain, those which abide, meaning that which endures for all of eternity, is faith, it is our hope, it is our love. You see, what Paul is saying here in verse 13 is no different than what he is saying through every verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that is stop fixating and focusing on that which is temporary and neglecting that which endures for all of eternity. You see, the Corinthians, they were a distracted church. God had given them wonderful gifts, but they had become distracted by building an identity upon these gifts especially those that were the most visible, the most big, like prophecy and tongues and words of knowledge. These gifts given to the church meant to build up the body, to serve the body, were being used as a a form of self-service, a form of self-spectacle, ways of showing off their, their gifts, their strengths in front of others. They had forgotten one of the primary revelations of God's nature, that God does not look at the outward appearances like you and I look at outward appearances, but God focuses on what the heart says, on what the heart does. The outwardly, they were saying all the right things, doing all the right things, checking off all the right boxes. But Paul says, inwardly, you are nothing. There's nothing happening. So what is Paul trying to say here? Is he saying that spiritual gifts are no longer good nor necessary? Now you and I know for those of us who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and are ministering in our gifts with power, we know that that's not what Paul is saying here at all. Paul says that God's gifts are irrevocable, meaning that he won't take them away from us. That spiritual gifts are to be sought after and prayed for. That spiritual gifts are necessary and needed for you and I to be the body of Christ. You see, what Paul is not saying here is that gifts aren't good. It's that he's saying that gifts are not eternal. That spiritual gifts, no matter how awesome or how significant they might be, they are temporary. Last week, Pastor Jason shared in verse 9 to 10 that Paul said that spiritual gifts are partial. And that is why love is the more excellent way. That because gifts are partial, when perfect comes, as Paul says, it means that the partial will pass away. What is that perfect that Paul speaks of? That perfect is Jesus Christ, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says it this way. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. You see, this is our foundation. The foundation of our faith, of our hope, of our love. That one day Christ will return. And on that day, we will be made perfect. For on that day, your gifts, regardless of how significant or how big or how small they are, they will pass away. For in the presence of perfection, your gifts will no longer be needed. As one theologian wrote, knowledge and prophecy are useful as lamps in the darkness, but they will be useless when the eternal day has dawned. And I believe as we stand here in these unprecedented times, God is speaking to our church today the same thing that he is speaking to the to the church in Corinth. He's saying what matters most in my kingdom, what matters most is your faith. It is your hope and it is your love. You might remember as kids, we played a a hypothetical game with our friends when we would turn to our friends and we'd say, if you were ever stuck on an island, 
and you could not escape, what three items would you bring with you? And my answer would always be, my, for number one, my Bible, because I was a good Sunday school boy, and I always had to have the right answer. It would be my video game collection, because I'm sure I'd find some sort of power outlet on that island. And number three would be my Hardy Boy collection. What three items would you bring with you if you were stuck on an island? Well, here we are. And perhaps today we're not stuck on any island, although I wouldn't mind self-isolating on a warm, tropical island, would you? But here we are. We are stuck as a church in a place of self-isolation, unable to worship together, unable to meet together. And the question that is asked to us today is, what matters most to you? You know, recently I saw on the internet this hilarious article. You know, recently I saw on the internet this hilarious article on the Babylon Bee. If you're unfamiliar with the Babylon Bee, it is a 100% fake, let me say it again, 100% fake uh, Christian satire. And so they post articles, let me say it again, 100% fake. And I saw this article and it made me laugh. And I want to read to you the headline. It said, this happened just right after the announcement came that we would be meeting as a church online. And it said that nation's churches provide fog machines for families worshiping at home. Let me read to you the first paragraph. It says, to provide a more authentic atmosphere for families forced to worship at home, thanks to coronavirus fears, the nation's churches graciously donated fog machines to their members for worship this past Sunday. Come on, admit it. That's funny. Because how many of you right now are sitting there participating in service and you're thinking to yourself, you know what we need right now? You know what would make church so much better right now at home? A fog machine. Now we know today that these things, they're, they're not bad by any means, that they are good, but we need to remember that there are so much that is added to us that are just like what Paul spoke about spiritual gifts. They are tools, they are good, but they are functional and they are temporary. Paul says, don't fix your eyes on the things that are temporary. Fix your eyes on the things that are eternal. And so the question that we must ask today of ourselves is what exactly do families need who are worshiping at home if not a fog machine? And what do the most vulnerable people in our church need in times like this? What is the one who is perfectly healthy, but you are single today and you are at home not able to spend this time with other people? And what about those of you who today who are unsure what life looks like on the other side, whether your jaw will still be there or not? What do we need in times like this? What can we give to one another? What can we grow in ourselves? The answer remains these three things which abide for all of eternity. Faith, hope, love. See, if you want to know what an essential service looks like in the kingdom of God, it is these three. Faith, hope, and love. Now, you've, if you've been tracking with us these past few weeks, by now you probably get it. You get the significance of love. But the question remains, why does Paul include faith and hope alongside love? Now we know today that faith and hope are an eternal part of God's love. That as God brings us towards his perfect end, which is his love, faith and hope are to be our two closest companions. For faith and hope are the means by which God brings us towards his love. What is faith? Faith is the human response to divine provision. Faith is the simple trust and surrender in the rulership of God in your current season and circumstances. Faith is believing 
that in the coming days, weeks, months, perhaps even years, that you will stand witness to the God who is revealed as Jehovah Jireh, meaning God is our provider. And I know maybe for some of you today, this current moment has you fearful, perhaps is unpredictable of what the future looks like. Let me tell you today, yes, the government might be able to take care of some of your needs, but I'm here to tell you today that it is God who will be the one who will take care of all your needs. Matthew chapter 6, 26 says it this way, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food for the, in their barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to, to him than they are? And I believe today that there is someone here on the other side of that screen who needs to hear that message today. You are valuable to God. You are so much more valuable than you, than you even realize. God will take care of all of your needs. He will provide. He is just calling you today to have faith. Today, I believe that God is calling the faith of our church to rise, to rise to new levels like we have never seen before. What if in this current moment, God is desiring to refine your faith? Faith is the human response to divine provision. And hope is the expectation of more to come. Hope is knowing today it is the confidence that he who promised is faithful and that all of God's promises find their yes and amen in him. Today, we might not be certain about what the future holds, but let's be certain about one thing today. We know who holds the future. And it is through our hope that we are able to recognize God's sufficiency in our, for our lives. Hope today is not in the economy stabilizing. Hope today is not in the stock market rebounding. Hope for you moms and dads sitting at home is not that your kids will get to go back to school, although we are praying and we are fasting that our children will go back to school at some point. Thank you, Jesus. Our hope is that one day Jesus will return for his church. And on that day, our dwelling place will be with God. And on that day, we will know that he will wipe away every tear from every eye. For on that day, there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, nor pain. For we know that the former things will pass away. Our hope today is on the one seated on the throne who will declare, Behold, I am making all things new. Faith and hope are God's perfect companions leading us towards his divine purpose for our life, and that is his love in us. And so that is why Paul, at the conclusion of 1 Corinthians 13, says that love, though it remains alongside faith and hope, it is the greatest of these. Love is God's supreme viewer virtue planted in our lives. You see, while faith and hope are incredibly important to our lives, they are no substitute for love. The reason being today is simple. It's because God is love. God is not faith. God is not hope. But as 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And I promise you today, more important to God than refining your faith, more important to him than refining your hope, he wants to refine your love. For when your love is refined, you are refined. And by refining your love, God wants to bring you closer and closer to the image of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. You know, we're living in some interesting times right now. And it's been interesting watching some of the more recent developments and efforts taking place to try to get people to abide by the rules, to stay inside, to self-isolate. 
They do what's necessary for us to flatten the curve, to not overwhelm our, our healthcare systems. And people are wondering, people are asking, some people are even complaining about what it's going to take for our society to do what is necessary to protect our most vulnerable and to see this come to an end sooner rather than later. Why aren't people, why aren't everyone complying? Why are some people seeming to do what they want to do? Is it a lack of faith in our governments? I don't think so. Is it a lack of hope that this will come to an end sooner rather than later? I doubt it. See, the answer to that question, to this dilemma, it's not faith. It's not hope. The answer is love. To what end are we willing to love our neighbor? That is the question that our world seems to have no answer to, has no solution. But the good news today is that if there is ever a people who are prepared to go to no matter what end in order to love our neighbor, it is the church. Because we look to the one who answered the question, to what end am I willing to love my neighbor by giving his life for us on a cross and calling you and I to go to no end, no end to do, to count the cost in order to love our neighbors as Christ has loved us. Dr. Haddon Robinson, the late American preacher, once said this, he said, love is that thing which if a church has it, it doesn't really need much else. And if it doesn't have it, well, whatever else it has doesn't really matter that much. I'm here to tell you today that without a shadow of a doubt, that what we have witnessed this past few weeks, Life Center, we've got it. We have it. We have love. And if we have love today, Well, what else do we really need in a moment like this? Faith, hope, and love. These three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful today. Lord, that wherever we sit, wherever we are tuning into the service today, God, that we can know your love. God, we thank you today for Jesus Christ, the perfect revelation of agape love, of your love. And God, we look to you today for our hope. We have faith in you today. But God, you are our example today. You are the one that we want to follow, that we want to emulate, because you are the perfection of love. And God, today, I know that we don't understand fully what is happening in our world today. But what we do know today is we serve a God who is Lord over all. And God, you can take this moment that we don't understand, that is out of our control, and you can turn it into something good. Lord, our prayer today is that this moment of adversity, God, would reveal what matters most in your kingdom. And that we would begin to tune our hearts into the things which matter most. God, I pray that you would do a work of refining in our lives. God, that we would submit ourselves to the work of the Spirit in moments like these. God, refine us, we pray. Refine us into the image of your Son. Make us like you, we pray, O God. And Lord, build in our lives an enduring foundation of faith that you are our perfect provider, of hope that one day you will make all things new and love today 
The greatest of these is love. God, may we love one another, Lord, as as you have loved us. And may we, as Paul now exhorts in in the next chapter in verse 1, let us follow the way of love, which is Christ Jesus our Lord and our Savior. We pray this in your name. Amen.